Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radioland.
Hey, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. A podcast that's been around since 2005 when I started this with John Ostrowski, a.k.a. Astronomy. And we've had lots of different Talking Metal family members. And I'm glad that on this episode we welcome back Victor Ruiz. Victor, how are you, man? Doing good, sir. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. And you and I have been doing the Mark Striegel podcast together for a while now, and I really enjoy that. We do it every Friday. It's posted, and it's you and I just talking. It's like there's yes. no music, no fancy intro, just Mark and Victor, and a lot of times we go into it with no agenda whatsoever, and we just we just riff, and it's a lot of yeah. fun, and it's available exclusively for the patrons on Patreon, and you can get it for as little as $2 a month. Go to patreon.com slash talking metal, sign up for the basic tier, uh, $2, and you get that bonus podcast every single uh, Friday, and if you go to five dollars a month, you also get a Talking Metal T-shirt sent out to you. So, check us out on Patreon. We could really use some support there. We recently lost one of our beloved Patreons. We were at thirty, now we're down to twenty-nine. So let's let's get back up to thirty. Let's have one of you guys join us on Patreon. All right, and also wanted to give a shout out to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/TalkingMetal. Check me out there with my videos. Anyways, we are uh, grateful because we have three great guests. We have Marcus from All Things Fallen and Dark Water. And that interview is set up by one of our patrons, Steven Saylor, who's a great guy. He's uh, one of our main dudes on Patreon. And I listen to you guys on Patreon. If you want songs played, if you want uh, an interview done on this podcast, uh, you guys are first and foremost um, we also have, uh, like I said, Metalachi is on the podcast. I, actually, I don't know if I said that. Metalachi is on the podcast, so stay tuned for them. And also, Gabriel from Crash Diet. So, uh, you know, and we uh, we were just talking with uh, Tom Kiefer's publicist, and it sounds like Tom is going to be coming back on Talking Metal. And it, it's funny, Victor, because she's like, uh, the publicist reaches out, and she's like, uh, Where, where's your studio? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I I have portable gear and, uh, you know, I can I can meet you wherever. I said, I do some interviews backstage at concerts. I do stuff on Skype. I do, you know, and she was like, well, where exactly could I bring Tom to, uh, you know, to your studio? So anyways, it's like, you know, I, people don't get it. It's like this is a hobby oh. for us, you know, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and, and and listen, I, I I said to her, you can bring Tom Kiefer to my basement if you want. That's you know, it's fine in Maplewood, New Jersey. Uh, you know, or I can come meet you somewhere. But it's like people <laughs> still to this day, uh, the and and this is a great woman, this publicist. I really like her. But uh, some of these publicists drive me crazy because they they think that this is my job and sometimes like you know I, I actually have to go work which is why I can't do a, a podcast uh, do an interview with some band I'd never heard of uh, at you know two o'clock on a Tuesday I, I don't know the publicist they, they drive me nuts sometimes yeah I, I hear you there's definitely still an an old school mentality and and some of the bands have that mentality as well um, it's it's kind of weird because 
you know, these they're paying a lot of money for these publicists, and some of them do a great job. I'm not going to say that you know they they all suck or whatever, uh, but there are some that just sell these you know these bands a bill of goods. They're like snake oil salesmen, where you know they're paying a few grand to promote an album or whatever. Where you know if you're on a if you're on a label like Metal Blade or you're on like Century Media or stuff like this. A publicist probably isn't going to give you a lot more exposure than that label already right. is because those labels have a pretty good PR uh, company and a pretty good you know, presence within the podcasting world, and they get it for the most part. But there are others where it's a big-name publicist and you see a band that, that's being represented by them, and it's like, dude, you're – you know, sorry to say, but you're only going to be playing to like 50 to 100 people. Right. Does it does it really mean that, you know, is it really worth your time spending eight grand for a publicist to, to pimp your album out for three months? You know, you're not getting on the fucking billboard charts. And sorry, if you're on a festival bill in, in Europe, don't let that mislead you to think that those – you know, 25,000 people there are there to see you. You're like fucking sandwiched in between Metallica and, uh, you know, Exodus. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it isn't that 25,000 people. I'm sure that there are people that will walk away and saying, shit, I'll buy the album or, or great to see them back. But, you know, it's just it's it's just strange. You know, all these years doing this stuff, it you 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 hear about bands losing money or, or right. about you know and, and the more you get to know some of these people it's like shit well you know you can't bitch about streaming or you can't bitch about this or that because they've always thrown their money away in different avenues and again not saying that all pr uh, agencies are like this but some of them it's like all right well you made no money off of this album and what little money you would have made you kind of spent it on this guy who didn't give you any exposure so. right right yeah or or Overexposure, you know what I mean? Where right. it's like they book, you know, Udo Dirk Schneider is on fifty podcasts this week. Right. You know, it's just like really. <laughs> I, yes. I mean, I, uh, that 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 exact thing happened to me when I used to be part of a, a podcasting network. Uh, me and another podcast, we purposely waited. I, you know, like a, a month and a half or two months after we had done the interview so that there wasn't that saturation. And it just so happened we both released the podcast on the same day with, right. with Udo. And it was one of those things where we kind of talked to one another and said, shit, you know, had I have known, I would have released it, you know, a week later or whatever. And and the conversation went to that was like, shit, you know, there's just so much oversaturation with this guy that either you have to release the interview 30 seconds later to get in, you know, before any, anyone else posts anything with them, or you have to wait. And and again, you get publicists that, that'll say, oh, well, you know, when are you going to post that? And it's like, all right, well, I'm waiting a few weeks because he's on 48 other shows right. and I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that he wants to promote his tour and album you know going forward it doesn't matter if it's the second after i speak to him or it's you know a month later because that album is still going to be available it isn't yeah. going to be one of these you know special engagements well so. that's the, that's the other thing with the publicist too is i i think you know they just want to go back to the artist who is paying them or to the label and say well 
you know, I booked you on 50, 50 shows. So right. if and if the if the album doesn't sell, they can say, well, it's not my fault. I booked you on 50 right. shows or if the album sells and it's like, yeah, that's because I booked you on 50 shows. You know, so I, it's like, I don't know. Uh, that's yeah. that. Anyways, enough. Enough's enough. <laughs> this is a band that I reached out to. Their publicist, okay. publicist did not contact me. I, I went to their website because I've been a fan of Crash Diet for a, a long time. And I went to their website and just, you know, filled out the generic form and said I wanted to interview them. On the podcast and uh, it took a couple weeks, few few weeks, maybe even a month. I don't know. Uh, and I got a response that, uh, yeah, why don't you talk to the new singer Gabriel from Crash Diet? So psyched to talk with Gabriel. And uh, yeah, uh, again, I've been a fan of Crash Diet for a long time. A band that actually, in its early early formations, it had Tobias from from Ghost was was in one of the super early formations of this band uh, that was, you know, probably 18 years ago at this point. But Crash Diet is still going strong, really strong, actually. And Gabriel is their new singer. Let's uh, let's listen to some of his new music with Crash Diet and then have a little chat with him. Here we go. This is Rust, brand new music by Crash Diet. Yeah. 
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and on the line we have the singer of Crash Diet, a band that I've loved for a long time, Gabriel Keys. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm especially excited for, for Rust, man. The the music videos you guys have put out, the songs I've heard, they sound fantastic. Really great ah, stuff. Thank you so much. I'm so excited, too, for the release, so I can't wait. Yeah, what, two weeks now? Yeah. All right. Well, we are we are digging what we've heard so far, and we want to... Yeah, it's, it's less than two weeks. It's less... actually next Friday. Right. Okay. All right. Very cool. So, so by the time week. we, yeah, less than a week by the time I post this. So yeah. let's, uh, let's talk about you because you are newer to the band. I guess it's been what, a couple of years now that you've been with Crash Diet and yeah, it's like two years, I think two years and yeah. you seem to fit right in musically. I mean, I, I'm loving what I'm hearing from your voice and just yeah, the overall you. presence that you have in the music videos is, is yeah. fun and the right vibe to me. So I wanted to talk about your past. Like where are you from? What did you grow up listening to? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your, you know, your upbringing? Yeah, of course. I, I grew up like outside of Stockholm on the countryside uh, in a little place called Ingerö. It's a very small place. Uh, it's got just one shop, one gas station, you know, a small place. Right. So that's where I grow up. And, you know, uh, all my influences, I think I, my brother was the one who introduced me to rock and roll when I was like 13 or 14, maybe something. And then I found like bands like Molly Crew, Skid Row, Aerosmith and everything like that, you know. And I thought it was a fucking cool thing. So I, I just... You know, I just uh, went with the flow. You know, I just wanted to do this. As um, since day one, I got introduced to this, and then cool. I started bands together with my brother. But you know, we had we had a couple of bands together, but you know, it didn't work out. And me and my brother, we can't be in the same band because we always fight. You know, right? Yeah. So, uh, so you, I had a per. Um, band before, just before crash that like four years before crash died it was called perfect crime it was just a, like a local stockholm band we were like you know not stockholm no there was never like that and uh, we uh, went separate ways due to like we couldn't come along it's like a bad relationship that has to get to an end you know Right on. So, was there an audition process? Like, how did you end up in in Crash Diet? Did you have to yeah, come actually, try? Actually, I was. I wasn't even like. Actually, I wasn't even um, active in the music uh, when they uh, discovered me, and they discovered me through like uh, our old manager. He discovered me through like uh, he he heard a single from my old band. And he introduced that to Martin Sweet, and he liked it. So they put they put us in contact, and I met our former manager and Martin for coffee, and we talked. And the chemistry was pretty good from the start, you know. And um, two weeks after that, we started to write songs. Wow! And uh, everything just felt like pretty natural, you know. We, like I said, we have a had a good chemistry. We have a good chemistry. And, you know, everything just fell in place from that day. And how have the 
Crash Diet fans accepted you? Are you feeling welcome by the fan base? Because, you know, I mean, the band has had a number of singers before you, which could be a good thing or a bad thing for you. You know, I I don't know. So talk about the the fan base and how how they've reacted to the addition of Gabriel. You know, there's a lot of, you know, people have opinions, you know. There's a lot of people who have a good opinions and a lot of people have bad opinions about me. So I never fo- focus on the bad. You know, I like I love to read like bad comments when people talk shit about me. That's the best thing, you know, I can right. do because that's only what motivates me more, you know. So, uh, you know, I I think it's more good, positive com- commentaries than bad, you know. So I I don't think too much about it. I'm just trying to course i want to conquer you know and um, get the fans to like me because you know it's a important thing you know but i'm trying all my best and i i, I have got got a lot of love support from them so i there's no problem in, in that area if i have to say that very cool and yeah the again the album is rust and it is coming out this friday by the time you guys hear this it'll be this friday september 13th and we are talking yeah. with Gabriel from Crash Diet. The yeah. most recent video, In the Maze, great stuff. Was uh, was enjoying watching that. That's with all the, the flames shooting up behind you guys, right? Yeah. yeah what what were those rust, things yeah. shooting up the... the uh, the? Oh, that's Rust. Okay. That, that That's the Rust video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. We, but we already had so much flames in the... In the maze video because it's a more of a semi ballad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right on. And then the earlier this year, you released the idiots video, which yeah got a lot of people talking because you really paid tribute to the eighties. Should I say is it the American eighties metal scene yeah, and you know we Wayne's took a World from the decline on the Western civilization? Yeah. Uh, you know the doc- doc- documentary. So, uh, yeah, we just wanted to make something, you know, that people can laugh about and uh, probably succeed, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Heavy Metal Parking Lot is in there. A lot of a lot of what, tips of the hat to the iconic 80s era um, yeah. videos and stuff. So really fun stuff. How long did it take you guys to shoot that? Was that it seemed like a kind of involved project? It, maybe six days maybe total because we we recorded in different places so it took like maybe six days to record or less i don't i don't remember actually because i was only involved in yeah two scenes and i think it was yeah like five six days maybe right on but it's it went pretty smooth you know so yeah the only the only thing that was fucking like when I was in that pool, you know, that was so fucking cold. Oh, okay. I had to drink whiskey to keep my body warm. Right on. That was the, the Chris Holmes. You were kind of emulating what Chris Holmes from Wasp did in the yeah. decline of yeah, Western exactly. civilization part yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. Fun video for sure. Yeah, exactly. And as far as touring goes, you guys are, what is it? First a headlining tour and then going out with Skid Row. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Uh, we're doing a headline uh, tour now with The Cruel Intentions, uh, a great, great band. And also my, actually my brother's band is also a support act on the tour. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun tour. 
So it's I like I think it's like twelve dates or something. We're gonna play every day. Oh wow, every day. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And then at some and point Skid we, Row, right? Huh? At some point you go yeah. out with Skid Row then. Yeah, we go in before that we go into um uh, Finland. Uh, but I think it's like um included in that like tour. And then we have a festival in November and then we're going on the tour with Skid Row. And you envision that in 2020 you might make it over to the States? Because I know the band hasn't been over in the States for a while, I don't think. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of work left in the States. So I, I, we're working on it, you know. There's a lot of places we want to go, you know. So, and especially the States, because uh, we get a, like, received a lot of met- message from the States that we, they want us to come. So, yes. That's of course in the plan. Yeah, cool. I'm in the New York area. I'd love for you guys to, to yeah. get over here. That would be uh, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, that would be absolutely great. And what? Now you're you're you know from you said Stockholm, right? Stockholm area. Yeah. yeah. What's the yeah. metal scene like there? I don't know. You know, it's it's nothing like unusual. It's like I think it's a lot of. We have our, like the rock clubs here, but you know they're they've been closing a lot of you know uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yep, I can hear you. Yeah. yeah. Uh they've been closing a lot of uh, venues here for the live music because people are complaining. And that's fucking whack, you know. But uh, What what are they complaining about? The sound. Wow. So it's just too loud. It's just fucking weird. I don't know. So there's a lot of presentations, uh, you know, you have to sign uh, because we not want this place venues to close. It's great, great venues. So, but you know, the, the scene here, I don't know, metal and sleaze, I don't know. It's, it's depends, you know, um, it was, you know, this sleaze scene was just when Crash Diet came back, it was like a new wave of sleaze, you know, so at that point, like back in, between maybe 2004 and, you know, to 2010, there was, like, crazy, sleazy um, hype here in Stockholm. Right, right. So I wanted to circle back to something you said earlier in the interview. Now, you made it sound like before you joined Crash Diet that you'd kind of dropped out of of music. Is that that correct? Yeah. And were you working another job? Were you pursuing other interests? Yeah, try to pursue other interests, you know. Uh, I had, like, I cut off my hair, and, you know, I just, I had that identity crisis. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so the the offer from Crash Diet, it, it kind of, did it come out of the blue? I mean, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. it actually did. It was really? just wow. like, okay, am I going to do this or not? You know, it was actually a, a lot of thinking before, Right. you know. A lot of adapting, like, can I do this? You know, this is a sleaze band. I look like a little boy, to, like right. today. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I was. Uh, but then, you know, both my brother and my friend convinced me because I was in their their rehearsal studio when I got the message. Okay. They were like, "Yeah, you should do it, man. You should do it." And I was like, "Okay, let's give it a shot." 
And how did you learn to sing? Did you take vocal lessons or anything like that, or is it just? Yeah, you know, I take I take vocal lessons sometimes just to keep the just to learn, you know, as much as I can about the voice, because you know you always end up in different, you know, uh, stages where there's a you get gets a lot of you get a lot of information from you know my vocal coach. I get a lot of vocal uh, information from a vocal coach of different like uh, advices if I can what I can do with my voice or horse or dry you know right so that's the good thing just to keep you know the information and I always trying to improve my voice all the time you know so and develop you know so uh, I'm taking voice lessons sometimes but I'm working on my voice myself every day so. Yeah, but from the beginning, I'm uh, self-taught, yeah. Right on. I've been singing since I can remember. So. Wow, cool. And I feel sorry for my parents, you know, they listen <laughs> to me all my life, especially when I started uh, to sing rock music, uh, always trying these high notes from, uh, like, uh, always trying to uh, hit these high notes in the middle of the, in the middle of the grocery store. My mom really? Like, Shut the fuck up. What are you doing? <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah. What are some of your favorite bands? Like, what, what bands do you like to listen to? I listen to so much music. I, you know, I like Five Finger Death Punch, Avenged Sevenfold, Stone Sour, Blue More Valentine, I like right Wonder on. Crew, you know, Skid Row, um, Warrant, um, Bob Seger. Right. Yeah. Who <laughs> might surprise us? Like, who do you think would I'd be most surprised to hear that you that you like listening to? Marvin Gaye. Marvin Sam Gaye. Coke, yeah. Well, that's good stuff, man. Uh, yeah. And uh, what's the name? Uh, I can't remember the name now. Yeah, a lot of blues and stuff too, you know. Right. All this old soul, Stevie Wonder, you know, Motown. I love that stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, Gabriel, it's been great chatting with you, and we are excited for the new record, Rust, coming out on the 13th of September. It's going to be great. The songs I've heard are great. And best of luck to you and Crash Diet. Let's Thank get you, you over so here much, to the man. States. Yeah. We're going to come. All right. And conquer the States. Right on. I'll Something be there. Something needs to happen, you know? Absolutely. We need you here. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, it's, uh, of course. You know, it's always a pleasure.
kill. All right, some classic crash diet there. That's Chemical, a song that I believe is still in the set list when they play live. Great tune. Love that tune. And uh, yeah, Gabriel, of course, is not singing on that. That's an older song. But I imagine if you do go see Crash Diet live, you'll be able to hear him sing that song. And what a pleasure. Thank you for speaking with me, Gabriel. And we are hanging with Victor Ruiz, who has his own podcast, the Mars Attacks podcast. Any cool guests coming up on Mars Attacks that you want to pimp here, Victor? Yeah, well, I have uh, I, I sort of have this monkey on my back where... I started up a series a few years ago, a classic album series that has a bunch of different interviews of people talking about albums. Right. And so I'm editing the final run of of those shows. There's, uh, I think there's nine episodes left. So I've been editing that together and there should be an episode for that shortly. And you're in there and oh, there's cool. a bunch of uh, uh, other known commodities uh people like john bush and people like uh gene hoagland and right on uh bob Nalbandian and and uh so on and so forth so it's always uh fun to see you know to to chat with people about albums that i especially in from this list that i deem to be classics and um what so yeah, what's I, the album or don't you want to uh, say there's there's uh let me look at the list here Uh, running order. Here we go. All right. So the the last run of albums that are discussed are uh, Fear Factory's Demanufacture, okay. Alice in Chains' Facelift, Nice, Soundgarden Super Unknown, uh, Merciful Fate Melissa, Motorhead's Ace of Spades, Scorpions' Blackout, Dream Theater's Images and Words. Testament Slow, Corn uh, by Corn, Scream Bloody Gore by Death, Machine Heads Burn My Eyes, and System of a Down, self-titled debut album. All right, cool. Cool. Well, we're going to get into our interview with Marcus from All Things Fallen and Dark Water right now. But first, before we do that, let's just give a shout-out to the current batch of patrons who, again, are the supporters of this show. Stephen Saylor, who, again, lined up this interview with Marcus. So thank you for that, Stephen. And thank you for your monthly pledge on Patreon. Steve Hoker, Mike Jones, Dan Gurwan, Patrick Schwartzman, Emma Clayton, Metal Dan. Yeah, see, Metal Dan is on... Uh, I don't know if we were talking about that on the other podcast, but I was, <laughs> I was trying to remember if Metal Dan is on Patreon, um, and he is. Jerry from Long Island, Michael Street, Brad Dahl, who I think I'm going to hang with out in California in a couple weeks at the Kiss Show. He's from Utah, but he's going out for the Kiss Show, too. Brad, hope to see you out there. Joe, Fred Roots, Sam Soupy, Drake, Metal, Metal, <laughs> Matt, Carol, Jay Vaninsky, Jason Seth, Jean-Francois Blas, Ron Keel, James Bennett, Sean Morgan, David S. Gray, Kenny McCrimmon, Leo from Alaska, Richard Langridge, Miles Atwood, Anthony Mackey, uh, Jonathan Turner, 
Jean Beauvoiri and Ralph Petrie. Thanks, guys. We appreciate your support and and keep it up. Stay with us on Patreon. Let me know who you want me to interview, as Stephen Saylor did uh, with this interview. Victor, we're going to hit In the Divide by All Things Fallen, followed by my interview with Marcus from All Things Fallen and Darkwater. Here we go. This is the final order. All of you are going to die. Most of you are afraid. Why are you afraid? Because you don't know what's going to
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and on the line we have guitarist Marcus Siegfriedson. How are you, man? Hello. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for calling in, and my friend Steve, uh, Steven Saylor introduced me to your music. There's some really great stuff, and there's a lot of it. So let's talk about, first, your newest release, which is, I guess I would call it a, a solo record, right? It's All Things Fallen. You're handling all the instruments and vocals on this one. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Well, not not uh, lead vocals. I'm, I'm doing uh, guitar, bass, and uh, keyboards and some pro- programming and uh, a, few, a few lead vocals. Yeah. Yeah, well, I and mean... All the, and I'm... And I and I have written all the music and lyrics, so yeah, I guess it's it's a solo project. And it sounds awesome, man. So I mean, it's it's just really, really great stuff. Uh, catchy, progressive, uh, musically complex. I love it. Let's talk about the vocals. Who's who's doing the lead on the lead vocals on it? Uh, it's a guy from Sweden as well called uh, Erik Tordson. Um, is in a band called, uh, at least it was in a band called uh, End of September, where he plays guitar and made some leads. And uh, his band were on the same record label as my other band, uh, Darkwater. Right. So uh, I, I heard, heard him sing on, on that album and I just uh, contacted him. So, yeah. So he's, uh, he's a new, new name, so to speak. And the songs off the All Things Fallen, uh, it's an album, right? Or is it an EP? I, I guess it's full length. You consider it? Well, I consider them. Uh, L- <laughs> it? Yeah, because the songs album. are long. I mean, there's what? There's yeah, it's almost forty minutes, but right. only six six tracks. So, yeah. Right, right. So, are these songs that you wrote recently, or are there things that you had sitting around for a while? Where did uh, where did the songwriting for this record take place? I guess when did it take place? Is what I'm asking. Yeah, uh, I think like they are from uh, everywhere from uh, 2010 up to uh, 2013 something, where the where I wrote the the base basis for the, for these songs, so to speak. Uh, so they're they're not very new, but uh, I've I've been working on them like with the arrangement through these years. And will All Things Fallen, will that just be uh, something that is more a recording project, or is this something you want to play live or have been playing live? Uh, for now, it's a recording project, but if the interest uh, from, uh, <laughs> will get bigger, I, I'm not, uh, I uh, would like to take it live. That would be great. <laughs> Very cool, and but it's a lot of work. You know, sure, so. you'd have to get a full band to back you and stuff like that. I'd imagine. Yeah, and uh, we, uh, the singer lives uh, like far from here, and the drummer is far from here as well. So it's yeah, it's a lot of uh, things uh, things to think about if you want to take it live. You know. Right on. And you mentioned your your band Dark Water, and you guys also have a, a new release out. I mean, you're busy with putting new music out. Can you talk a little bit about that? The album Human. Yeah, uh, Human was released this year as well, and uh, our previous album was like 2010, I think. So it's been a few years. 
and we haven't played live for like seven years. And we, we've been working on the, on uh, human for like through this this all these years. We we've been working on it uh, on and off, so to speak. So we and we've been working really hard on it and uh, put uh, a lot of uh, uh, effort into every little de detail on it. So we feel that we have. Uh, uh, evolved a lot since the 2010 right so you guys haven't played live in seven years yeah i think so I wow think the last time we played was 12 11 or 12 or something <laughs> well i yeah. saw i saw on the facebook page there's something called rock the boat coming up i don't know if that's a concert or a cruise but you guys are going to be playing in october at rock the boat right yeah that's correct it's uh rock the boat it's like uh, i think it's like a uh, uh, mini festival for, for two days with uh, if it's eight eight bands playing, I think. Cool. And have you guys been actively rehearsing for that? Uh, not so much. Uh, we are starting right now and uh, preparing it for for these shows. So yeah, it's gonna be hectic two months now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's like a big. Show. It's got to be a big deal. You guys haven't played in seven years on stage together. Is are there emotions? I mean, how does how does it feel to know you're going to be getting back on stage with these guys for the first time in seven years? It's uh, it's going to be really great. I think I think we even though we haven't played together, you know, rehearsed together, we've all uh, we feel like confident and uh, we feel that we will sound better than ever. You know, we we. Even though we don't awesome. play together, we, we play on play on our own, you know. So yeah. it's gonna be great. And will there be other shows planned, or is just it's just the Rock the Boat festival? Uh, it's Rock the Boat, and then one month later, we're playing a festival in uh, in Holland, the ne 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 Netherlands, uh, called uh, Brainstorm Festival. It awesome. Will be in uh, November. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Very good. Yeah. And your band, let's see, Harmony. You guys, are you guys defunct now? I know you haven't really put anything out since the uh, Remembrance EP back in 2015. What's the status of Harmony? It's uh, put on hold. Uh, I have no idea if it will be like, it will be a <laughs> comeback in the future, but for now it's, uh, it's on hold. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And, I love the the track Limitless that you did with Lance King off the uh, oh, Reprogram album. I mean, that turned out just great. I mean, being that he's you know here in North America and you're you're over in in Sweden. How how did you guys connect? How did you come together? We actually met at the uh, Rob Power US um, where we played in 2000. We did play 2011. I think we played Rob Power in Atlanta. And I, I met Lance there, and uh, it was through, I think Lance had a deal with our record label. So we, we knew about each other, and then we met at Atlanta. And then uh, when he was to release his first uh, album, uh, called, uh, A Moment in Kairos, or however you pronounce it, uh, he asked me to write two songs for that album, which I did. Uh, it was released in uh, 
2011, I think, or 12. And then uh, he asked me to write uh, some tracks for his uh, uh, newest album as well. So that's that's how how it, how it was. Cool. So you you met up with him in person, but you sing uh, in Atlanta back in 2011. Yeah. So so you've that yeah. was another question I have. How, how often have you gotten over to the states? Uh, with Darkwater? Well, just in general. Uh, in, uh, was that with Harmony or was that with... The, I, I, I've only been with... Uh, we've played two times with Darkwater. It was uh, 2008 at uh, Bark Fest in, uh, in San Francisco. Okay. Wow. And then it was uh, Frog Power, yes. So it's two times. Yeah. Wow, cool. Cool, yeah. We'd love to get you back here with, with Darkwater or... At any just in any form it would uh, it would be great because your music just really powerful stuff and I want to get into uh, your influences because obviously you're you have your own style and I'm just wondering what what were some of the the big musical points in your life when you were younger like what type of music were you listening to as even before you picked up the guitar, were, were you aware of different styles of music and were you listening to music in your early life? Yeah, I did. I I had an older brother who was into like a lot of different kinds of metal. So actually when I was like, when I was 10 years old, I think, maybe, something like that, 10, 10 11, 12 or something, I was a huge can, candle mask fan. Right. Actually. Uh, and later on, I, I you know, I, I went through my older brother's record collection, you know, and so that's how it started. And uh, yeah, then when I got a little bit older, I, I like, I heard Ingrid Malmsteen, <laughs> right? And that was like the huge influence, and it was for many, many years. Uh, you know, like the Harmony albums are quite influenced by the Malmsteen side, neoclassic music. And uh, you know I have from I love like Rainbow and uh, that seventies uh, hard rock a lot. And uh, so, but for you know when when it comes to like dark water and stuff, it's more like I had a few years where I listened a lot of to Symphony X and Camelot and Dream Theater and all those yeah, all those bands. Right on. Uh, so it's like. I have different influences for uh, the different bands. I, I, I think I can say that. Right. Right on. Diverse, for sure. What yeah. what guitar do you play? Oh, that, that differs for the different bands as well. Right. For uh, for harmony, I, I, I always use the strap, uh, like playing the mountain kind of strap. And for, actually, for All Things Fall, and it's, it's a strap cast as well. But it's uh, tuned tuned down to be be drop. Oh, okay. And for dark water, I played. Uh, I used to play Wolfgang. Oh. Okay. But now I'm playing. But now I'm playing on TRS. Right, right. So when you do, you say you're doing like a drop B. You said sometimes for dark drop, water. Yeah, uh, but we have, we actually have three different tunings in dark water. It's like yeah, standard tuning, and then drop D. Standard and then B tuning. Wow, B tuning. Wow. Yeah. Do, you, do you have to use thicker strings have... when you when you go that low, or oh, yeah. are you? Yeah. 
So yeah, well, basically it's like seven, uh, seven string, but six strings, you know? Right. I hear you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And amps, are you using actual amps when you record or are you going through like Kempers or, or just dialing in different presets? How, how do you get your sound in the studio? Uh, for the most part, we record in our, uh, or I, I record in my home studio without just lying the guitar and I use plugins. But then uh, when the mixing comes, uh, we usually do reamping through whatever amp uh, the mixing guy likes. You know, like we, we collaborate uh, on it, of course, but yeah, that's how we work. Right it has its, uh, it has its uh, positive sides and negative sides. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And you're based in Sweden. It is As an American, it seems like there is so much music that comes out of your country. And I'm not just talking metal. I'm talking all forms of music. What, yeah. what, makes, what makes your country... Uh, like why 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 is that like because i almost feel like your country is obviously a lot smaller than than our our country but yet i feel like there's maybe even more music coming out of sweden than there is the the united states any any thoughts on that yeah mm. maybe the weather i don't know <laughs> <laughs> weather okay that's from from uh, yeah it's kind of we have like a few months every year where it's sunny and uh, the other months it's kind of, uh, what do you say, rainy and cloudy. <laughs> so we say inside, the inside creating music. I don't know. I don't know if, if, if it's that, but. <laughs> right. I hear you. Yeah. Cool. And as far as the the culture of what's going on in the United States as an outsider, are you are you tuned into that, or is is that something you aren't really tuned into that much? And I'm not talking just music. I mean politics. I mean film in general. Uh, personally, personally, I'm uh, quite interested and involved in in, in U.S. Uh, politics and things like that, and geopolitics and stuff. Yeah, those things. So I I know a bit about it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. And how does, okay, if we're going to talk politics, how does what's going on here affect what's going on with you guys in Sweden? Is there a direct uh, connection? Um, no, n- not that um, that we, we notice, you know, now. But uh, I think in the future, it, it will have uh, some connections, I think, that we will notice well. But, you know, since the U.S., U.S. is such a big country, you know, in the world, uh, and uh, so I think it will have uh, consequences for Sweden as well. Yeah, right. Just you, you, just because of the global influence. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. All right. So you said you'd been to San Francisco. You were in Atlanta. Any any plans in the future to visit the states again? Um, oh, you know, the, the, there are no concrete plans now, but uh, we really, really hope we will, it will be some uh, shows there. Uh, at, at least next year, we hope. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right on. 
And when you're not doing music, what keeps you busy? Do you, do you have a family? Do you do have other hobbies that, that you're involved with? Pets? What What's your personal life like? Uh, I work as a graphic designer. That's an uh, oh, cool. advertising bureau. Yeah. I'm creative all day. <laughs> all day long, so to speak. Uh, I like I like sports, you know. And I, I hit the gym once in a while. Right on. Things like that. Yeah. Well, that's what I do. I have no, uh, no family yet. Uh, no, that's my life. <laughs> right on. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Well, Marcus, it's been great talking with you, and we really appreciate the excellent music you're giving us over here and all over the world, for that matter. Again, the self-titled record, All Things Fallen. And so All Things Fallen, the, that name, I mean, it's like a project or do you consider it a group or, I mean, because it's basically, it's not really a group. So All Things Fallen, the project, right? Is that a better? Yeah. 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 Okay. So far it's a project. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And why didn't you choose to just use your name for it? Uh, instead, you went with All Things Fallen. Because I, I think uh, band's interest people more in general than, you know, like this is the solo things that people do. Um, I think it's easier to promote a band, even though it's a project. I think that's, right. Uh, I think it's more exciting to, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it fits my ego to, right. you know, to do, uh, yeah. yeah. You, you know what I mean, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, good luck with it. All Things Fallen is out now, guys. It's up on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, you name it. And, of course, Dark Water. Also, a new album out, Human, which is is just great. So good luck with your first show in over seven years with Dark Water. And I hope it goes great for you guys. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. And we appreciate your time. We're going to feature some of your music on the show. So we'll definitely uh, shoot you an email when the episode is posted in a few weeks. Thanks. Have a cool. I look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you, Gr- Great talking with you, Marcus.
Part 2 by Dark Water here on Talking Metal. Thanks to Steven Saylor for lining up that interview with Marcus. Thanks to Marcus for speaking with me. And also, Steven, you picked the, the songs out that we played there. Of course, going into the interview, we heard In the Divide by All Things Fallen. Coming out of the interview, we heard Alive Part 2 by Dark Water. So, great stuff, and thank you again, Steven. And thank you for always helping me out. Hope your wife is doing okay after her her back surgery. I threw out my back, Victor. I don't know. It's rough. It's starting to feel slightly better, but oh, ne- never fun. I've had yeah. uh, back issues when I used to play hockey, it's and like, it's never fun when you screw your back up. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like any movement. I was just like in this excruciating pain. Hit the chiropractor. I think that helped a little bit. And uh, today, I mean, I'm you know not anywhere near 100%, but definitely starting to feel a little better. Yeah, so there you go. And let's, uh, let's head over to um, Blabbermouth. And we are recording this on September 5th. Of course, it'll get posted next week, so all the news will be a few days old at that point. But let's, uh, let's run down some of the headlines Lynch, George Lynch, blasts monster Trump. Um, Okay, so George Lynch, uh, Donald Trump uh, is an idiot monster and a complete piece (laughs) of shit who doesn't know anything. So uh, there you go. And, And Lynch, I feel like he holds back on his political opinions sometimes, but... Obviously, somebody got him uh, going, and right. the real Lynch uh, views slipped out. Because I honestly have seen him hold back on his opinions, and even in interviews that I've done with him, um, you know, I've, he's kind of held back on his—I guess I call them liberal views—and I don't want to go into our political views. But I will say, how do you react when people are political? I mean, you have everybody from Ted Nugent to Bruce Springsteen to, you know, Tom Morello to George Lynch. Everyone seems to have an opinion. And I don't know. Sometimes I just like it when people shut up, (laughs) you know, because it can turn you off. I mean, if you if you are 
if you have strong views yourself, it can it can kind of turn you off to their music. I, at least I think so. What do you think? Um, you know, it's funny. I was thinking of this recently because, you know, if it wasn't for podcasting, I probably honestly would not be on Facebook anymore because of all the the political shit that you see on one side or the other. Um, just people that are extreme right or extreme left that just drives me nuts, you know. Um, and then I went back and thought of an album like War by U2, which is very political. Um probably you know wasn't as upfront for me because it was what was taking place in ireland and whatnot but um but yeah there's there's some stuff that can be really cool uh the problem is right now it's 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 kind of uh, i'm i'm tired similar to what you're saying um because i i think extremes of anything isn't good and i think the perfect example um is the new sacred reich album which came out where phil rind who's the lead singer on uh on instagram and on facebook he's really leans towards the left but the lyrics on this album are very much in the middle where you can really see that he with the lyrics he points to both sides kind of uh, doing the same sort of stuff, right? So you know, I'm I'm cool with that. I'm cool with kind of you know being nonpartisan with with things and kind of pointing out what's what's good and bad on on both sides of things. Um, it's it's just the beating of you know with this this thing that you said with with Lynch. You know when it's just so overt, uh, where it's so over the top, it's. You know, on, on the one side, he's probably just alienated, like, a good chunk of his audience. Yeah, because I will tell you that a lot of, like, you know, when I go to shows, like, in New York City or Brooklyn or something, it's a little bit different of a vibe, you know, politically among the the, the crowd. But, you know, I was just at Slipknot, and I got to tell you, Corey Taylor obviously has been very vocal and... Uh, critical of the the current political situation here in the country and he um and at the show i swear to god i saw you know make america great bumper stickers on pickups in the slipknot parking lot at pnc for the slipknot concert pnc uh, homedale new jersey is the is pnc is the venue homedale new jersey is the town kind of like central jersey if you will yeah. uh, i saw uh, and a kid wearing an NRA shirt at the Slipknot show. I mean, and, you know, so, but Corey, again, very critical of Trump. And Corey said on stage, and I thought this was a really cool moment. Corey said, listen, I know I'm, um, I say a lot of, I, I know I say a lot of shit and, you know, I, I'm, I'm an opinionated guy and, I know you don't all agree with me, but he said, we're all family here tonight. And I got, I got your back no matter what. And I thought that was kind of cool. And the, the place reacted yeah. good to that. Cause it's like, all right, let's leave that shit aside and let's just rock tonight to Slipknot. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very cool. And I like that. And I, I remember seeing Metallica, um, 
on that their last stadium tour or whatever it was. And and Hetfield said something similar. He he just said, "Yeah, I don't care who you voted for. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care, you know, uh, what kind of car you drive. Tonight we're all Metallica. Uh, we're you know tonight you're part of the Metallica family, and we're all brothers and sisters. You know, and I thought that was that was really cool. Right. And I, I like that. I like I like." music uniting instead of uh separating people right. and and you know take a break from that shit for a few hours at the concert you know and i th- i give Corey taylor credit because even though he's very vocal about it in in interviews i give him credit for saying that because he, he acknowledged that hey some of my fans don't agree with what i say so so hats off to to him for doing that all right moving on michael shanker on brother rudolph He's completely distorted my personality as an icon by using the flying V himself. <laughs> I'm so, you know, I love Michael Shanker and I actually love Rudolph too. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know really either. I've, I've hung out with Michael Shanker a little bit when I worked on that metal show. It was very nice. Uh, I've interviewed him a handful of times. The first time was awful. He was rude, but... Uh, the two or three other times I've interviewed him and I, Emily's interviewed him too. He's been great and so friendly. Um, so, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of sick of, of hearing about him complain about Rudolph and he always takes the bait, you know, when the, when in these interviews thoughts on the, the Shanker brothers, this, this is one of the weirdest feuds because it, this is something that took place in the last few years because there was never a feud previous to this that that I remember, I and mean, maybe I just didn't know enough about you know about Michael or, or Rudolph, and maybe I was just a fan of of the music. But it seems like this is something that's crept up what in the, like the last five or five years or so. With, yeah, with and Michael. It, and, yeah, and I yeah. don't know if it's you know Michael. Michael has gotten sober and and stuff in in the last few years. Um, or maybe it's been more than that. It's probably the last 10 years he's gotten sober um, right. or, or been sober. But, and and yeah, it definitely seems to have, have heated up his hatred of his brother. So I, I don't know what the deal is. Is it, is he feel like he's owed money? Is there, yeah. there's gotta be something. And Th- that's, that's what it seems like to me. This has right. to be a money issue because he's played on, he played on what love drive and he played on one yeah. of the earlier albums and and I think that Love Drive album is a sticking point uh, because he feels he wrote a lot of those songs which I believe he did you know and and he's even hinted in interviews that he I I believe maybe maybe wasn't credited properly for his for his writing but I I know he wrote Coast to Coast right which I Mm -hmm. on Love Drive and the title track right which Um, are two of the I mean that that one song uh what, what coast to coast the instrumental yeah he yeah. on wikipedia he's credited that's a great freaking tune man i love that right. song and the scorpions still play that love drive the song he's not credited on okay. on wikipedia he is credited on holiday okay um, so maybe that's what i'm mixing up yeah, yeah but still holiday is another one of their staple songs i love drive he played the solo too maybe that's what i'm mixing up yeah um but, lead guitar just, on tracks one two yeah he played a lot of the solos on the love drive right. record because um, they didn't trust matthias to play any of the solos yet when uh when they recorded that if i remember correctly hmm. um 
And and the thing there is he came back, you know, early on is one thing, but he came back as kind of a known entity because he was he came back after leaving UFO. Right. So, so he was so definitely he, established. Yeah. Yeah, he was established. And in the States, he was probably known more than the Scorpions were at that point because the Scorpions really didn't break it in the States uh, until Make It Real, which is the album after that, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. Well, um, hmm, let me let me think. Now, Love Drive, yeah, because it was, it was what? Taken by Force, which they were still, that was that was still Yuli Roth, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, and okay, so Taken by Force had, let's see, um, now I'm on, I'm cheating, I'm on Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, so Taken by Force, Love Drive, which came out in 79, which, wow, what an amazing sounding record for 79. If you think about right. where rock was at, that was, that was ahead of its time for sure. Then Animal Magnetism, which of course had the zoo on it, which was a big FM hit here in the in the yeah. states i mean that exploded for them definitely make it make it real i yeah. think is the first like big song for them radio wise in the states right right and that was on animal magnet magnetism which was yeah. again 1980 and then of course the record that just totally exploded blackout which right yeah massive massive record so yeah so i don't know uh, and uh, of course you know as far as I know, Shank- Michael Shanker was not involved in anything past past uh, Love Love Drive. So right, yeah. He, so I don't know what he's so mad about. Them. I don't know what he's so yeah. mad about. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's what you said. He's gotten sober and he's finally realized that maybe he, you know, wasn't getting paid what he should have for that album, or or who knows. You know? Yeah. I will tell you uh, a story about Rudolph, which I may have said before, but if you go to my Facebook page, you'll see a picture of Emily and I with the Scorpions that was taken uh, backstage at Madison Square Garden. And it was like, you know, the meet and greet. And I I got a free pass to the meet and greet through uh, Robert deployed. Um, Somebody keeps calling me from this number in New York City. I don't know who this is. But anyways, uh, I got a free pass to that, uh, to the meet and greet at the Scorpions show at Madison Square Garden, probably like two years ago at this point. And my wife, not to brag on her, but she looked really hot that night, as she always does. (laughs) And she had some like real tight pants on and you can see her in the picture on my Facebook page. It's my, my, my header. But anyways, you know. The Scorps back in the 80s, you know, they had like a lot of like hot chicks and stuff at the show. But, you know, nowadays everyone's, you know, (laughs) over the age of 40 and fat and, you know, and bald. And, you know, know, listen, we all grow old. Right. But but he got Rudolph got so excited when Emily came up. They basically all ignored me. And and Rudolph was like like uh, talking to um, Emily. And then when Emily walked away. Rudolph real loudly turns to the bass player. I forgot the guy's name in the band. He's like, that's what I'm talking about. And he was like pointing at Emily. So it was really funny. <laughs> he was so, he was so excited. So true story. Um, but yeah, Rudolph Shanker, uh, that's what I'm talking about. And Emily and I that's, always, always talk about that, uh, moment. That's uh, funny. Yeah. I ran into them at the airport once. Did you? 
Yeah. Where? We're, uh, in Spain or in, in, in the States? In, Victor lives in, in Spain, guys, if you don't know. Oh, in Paris. Okay. Yeah, we were flying back. Uh, we flew Newark to Paris, and then from Paris we were flying here to Spain. And they were playing a festival here in Spain. And um, and it was surreal. You know, I I never sleep on a plane, and I was up like the night before. We flew back, and, and we're sitting there, and I'm just fucking tired. And, and I'm thinking – I'm looking at the escalator and I'm saying, who the fuck's this clown who's dressed up like Rudolf Shanker? And and next thing you know, I'm like, wait a second, that's Matthias, that's uh, Klaus, that's that's the fucking right. Scorpions. I said, the guy dressed up like Rudolf Shanker is Rudolf Shanker. And I turned to my wife who didn't know who the Scorpions were. Uh, I said, yeah, that's fucking Scorpions. And... Um, and so then she flashes, you know, the devil horns. And at the time, uh, uh, Richie uh, Kotak was still in the band. Right, and right. He, he turned around and flashed them back and says, hey, rock and roll. And they went to uh, to their gate and went through security and everything. And it was uh, surreal. James, moments. you mean James, James, James the drummer. James, yeah, James, James. I, yeah, J- James Kotak. Uh, thinking of Ricky Steer, the other... Um, Richie Steer. Richie or Ricky? I forget. Anyway, the guitarist from Kingdom Come. Right. I'm screwing him up with. Um, but it was surreal seeing them go through customs. And, right. Uh, yeah. Seeing seeing all the bandanas and hats come off. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, well, now we know why they all wore hats all those years. Right. Right, right, <laughs> right. I will say this, uh, you know, and not to gossip, but but Rudolph uh, and not to not to sound uh gay talking about Rudolph's look not that there's anything wrong with that but um he he is more pumped up with muscle because like when we saw him he like had a real tight like little shirt on with his full arms exposed he's more muscly now and in shape than he ever was in his younger days he's got more hair on his head than he did back (laughs) 20 20 30 years ago uh and uh, I, you know, which whatever is going on there, whatever it's cool because he look he actually I was like I was like that dude's in his sixties wow he looks great he looks yeah. great he, he had the the you know almost Billy Idol style hair now yeah. the <laughs> sh- short bleach blonde hairdo and and just massive guns so I don't know there's that old man steroid stuff that that a lot of these guys take which I'm guessing the guy from Def Leppard takes that stuff too where. Where I don't know, older men can take this like uh, steroid enhancement thing, and they they kind of gain back some of their youthful look old when they're older in life. Um, so I'm not saying that's what Rudolph's doing, but if I had to guess, I, I you know, or I wouldn't be surprised if it was with maybe all, just with all the yeah, with all the money he's got, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, you think he's got <laughs> yeah. a ton of money? I I don't know. I was trying. I, you never know with these guys, but I would think I, I think so, right? Yeah, I, I think they're well off because I mean, l- think of it. Back in the eighties, really, they them Maiden and Priest and probably Ozzy at one point in time, right. maybe throw in Motley Crue. These were the biggest rock bands, hard rock bands in the world, and they were playing to a lot of fucking people and scorpions have always played you know they've never really stopped um yeah although although the scorpions like okay so ozzy and maiden to this day can still fill an arena without any problem whatsoever priests they struggle for sure and and that's a whole nother story uh 
But the Scorps, I think they struggle a little bit too nowadays. And and the Scorpions is one of those bands. You know, Scorpions is one of those bands that I'm not sure people realize it, but I remember when I lived in the Chicago area in when I was in high school, you know, when they were touring, they would fill the Rosemont Horizon, not one night, not two nights, three nights, man. They did right. three nights at the Rosemont Horizon. I mean, that's yeah. that's massive. They were so big. They, they got played on the radio far more than Judas Priest, far mm-hmm. more than Ozzy Osbourne. The, you know, Scorpions were played on the radio, FM radio in the Midwest all the time. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe not far more, but definitely more. I mean, they yeah. were like, you know, Def Leppard got played a lot on rock right. FM radio. Led Zeppelin was still getting played on rock re- FM radio in the in the 80s, even though they were they were done and gone, you know. But, uh, you know, Maiden, no, they never they were never on the radio unless it was like right. high school or college radio. They were never on the radio. But but Scorps, man, they were massive, mainstream, yeah. far more mainstream than than Maiden was, you know. Uh, and uh, it's it's interesting. And then I feel like, you know, they didn't they didn't really do well in the late '90s into the 2000s. They kind of kind of I feel like vanished from a lot of people's. You know, a lot of people kind of forgot about the Scorps. But I tell you, when I saw them at Madison Square Garden two years ago. They were they were awesome. They were they were so much fun. Yeah, I, I think th- that's a classic band. That uh, kind of what happened to Maiden in the sense that outside of the states, they continued to be big and they continued to play a lot. Um, they did have some pretty bad albums along the way there. Where you know Maiden, you can blame ba- Blaze Bailey for some of the stuff. You know, with people not. Not liking that switch, but Scorpions, I mean, they eye to eye was like a fucking Backstreet Boys album. Um, right. It was pretty bad. Um, but they still maintained, you know, they they, they have several uh, concert videos that they've released over the years where uh, they're playing to, to good packed houses in, in Europe and in, uh, you know, in South America and Asia, which isn't as difficult. Um, but um you know as, as you're saying i you know thinking to what you just said uh, ozzy really only had like two songs that that were played on the radio constantly which is crazy train and shot in the dark scorpions really with love at first thing had rocky like a hurricane and they had still loving you and they had big city nights and bad boys running wild and then you also had um uh, off a of blackout, they had no one like you. So, so they had a series of hits that that were always being played. So, right. yeah, much much to what you're saying, and I think even I, later. I mean, that what was that wind of change, right? Yeah, wind of change. Yeah, like I wasn't a big fan of that song, but that that was that was a big song. I mean, that yeah, that was that was yep. big. Yeah, yeah, and and much to your point. I mean, if you really look back, Ozzy and Priest probably got bigger towards the end of the decade as far as uh, radio play was concerned because, you know, by the time um, uh, No More Tears came out, 
you know, you started getting more Ozzy on the radio, whether it was No More Tears or My Mom Coming Home or or things along those lines. And Priest, you started hearing things like Breaking the Law and things like uh, Living After Midnight, which which were there, similar to what you said about Maiden. You know, they were there either late night or or there on college radio or whatever, but it wasn't mainstream. It became mainstream as time went on, probably because people our age started, you know, putting the playlist right. together right. at a lot right. of these stations and, you know, different corporations that took, uh, took over later. But, but yeah, in, in the heyday and, and Def Leppard's another one that you mentioned that I, that I forgot. I mean, these were bands that, that had a lot of, you know, hits on, on the radio that were mixed in with, you know, your Springsteens and your Dire Straits and Eric Clapton. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Where a lot of these other bands didn't get that, you know, Maiden sure as shit didn't get played on New York radio. I I, I, I told this story to my kids not too long ago. Um, I remember Scott Muni at WNEW in New York used to do a show on Fridays called Things from England. And I got to hear... The song, um, That's the Way I, I Want My Rock and Roll from ACDC. I think that's the title off of Blow Up Your Video. And Can I Play With Madness? He debuted both of those songs back to back on a Friday. And I remember sitting in a parking lot waiting for my father in, in a truck, in his truck, and being so happy that I decided to you know sit in the truck instead of going in the store with him because I got to hear those two songs debut on the radio. And it was like, shit, you know. Um, I hadn't heard new ACDC on the radio in a very long time and hearing Maiden on the radio, I was beyond thrilled. I mean, that was, that never happened. You know, that was, that was like an anomaly. Right on, right on. Cool. Well, Victor, it's been great talking with you today. We do have to wrap it up. And to take us out, we're going to hear my interview that I conducted at Heavy Montreal over the summer with Metalachi. These guys were a lot of fun. I'll post a picture of me hanging out with them in the show notes on TalkingMetal.com or TalkingRock.net. Please visit TalkingRock.net. We're constantly putting up news. Victor helps out on the site there and uh, does a really cool segment every Friday, where or a blog post, I should say, where you list the new releases. I'm always looking forward to reading that. So, uh Check that out every Friday on TalkingRock.net, our new release post by Victor Ruiz. And also check out the podcast I do with Victor every single week. It's the Mark Striegel podcast. It's on Patreon exclusively for our patrons on Patreon. And uh, that'll do it, Victor. And we want to encourage everyone to check out your podcasts, plural. Can you run down what they are, Victor? Yeah, I mean, my uh, I'll just mention the, the two main shows, Mars Attacks, which is a show that I've been doing uh, later this month. It's going to be the 10th anniversary of that show. Cool. And, um, and I also do uh, Galaxy of Geeks once a month, uh, which is us talking, me and my co-host Chris Vaglio, talking about uh, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, and all that geeky goodness. So. Yeah, and Chris is in New Jersey. And by the way, I, he and I have exchange some emails and we may meet up for for a drink next week so oh cool yeah 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 um cool and that'll do it we're gonna go out with my interview with metalachi the name basically describes what they do uh so <laughs> we'll check my interview out with them again conducted at the great north american music festival heavy montreal 
uh, probably like a month or two, probably like five weeks ago, I recorded this interview up in Montreal. And um, we'll end with their cover of Megadeth's Symphony of Destruction here on Talking Metal. Thanks so much, Victor. Hey, guys, it's Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and we are here in Montreal at Heavy Montreal with Metalachi. How are you guys doing? What's up, Mark? How you doing, man? What's up, Mark? How you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. Can you uh, introduce yourself to the Talking Metal listeners? Let's go around the uh, the circle here. Hola, my name is Paco Haley, and I play guitar. Hey, what's up, man? I'm Kiko Kane, and I play the, it's like a bass, but it's called the guitarron. My name is El Cucuy. I play the pito, which is the trumpet for you people who don't know what a pito is. But you could put the pito in your mouth, and it makes good sounds, you know? Okay. Hi, I'm Kyla. I play the violin. What's up, baby? This is De La Roca. I mean, Vega De La Roca, singer of Metalachi. All right. Awesome. You guys are so much fun. I've been listening to the uh, the songs online and watching the videos. Let's just, for the Talking Metal listener who may know nothing about you, go back to where this all started. Where did the uh, idea come from to do these unique versions of hard rock and heavy metal songs? Well, you know, like... Before we did this, uh, we were mariachis for reals, you know. We, we, we had uh, the traditional sound. We did traditional like, parties, like weddings and birthday parties and quinceaneras. We even do, like, special songs for circumcisions. Like, one, there's one song that it says, cut me gently, you know. And so it was good, you know. But one time, like, we, because we also listened to some metal, like, metal music and stuff. And one time we thought, hey, what, what would it sound like if you put, like, a metal song to mariachis? And we used our instruments, but the first song we ever did was Iron Man from Black Sabbath, you know. And so we called it Iron Tapatio, and we did a song, and people loved it, you know. And they started getting up and dancing, and it was a great thing. We were like, hey, man, we're onto something, and we just went from there. Um, what has been the most challenging hard rock or heavy metal song to perform in, in you know, in the, in the style that you guys do? By far. I mean, I don't know if you call it really super heavy metal, but by far, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. It's tough, that's tough for anybody to do, but it, it took us, how long did it take us to put it together? She knows. Um, it took us about seven and a half years. <laughs> well, she lives in dog ears, so you know, so. <laughs> so yeah, but it took us a long time to put it together, the voices, the, the parts, and just because, you know, and it really, it really made us respect the genius of Freddie Mercury and everything, right. and, and as a composer and a writer and stuff, once we, once we dissected that song, but it took us a while, but we did it, man. You know? And how long have you been doing this? Like, uh, it's been obviously at least seven and a half years since it took into, what, I'm sorry? How, how long have you guys been doing this? We have been doing this for almost 10 years. 10 years. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be 10 years this, uh, the end of the year. Awesome. And have you ever heard from any of the artists that oh, yeah. you cover? And what types of reactions have well, you gotten from them? Uh, we've heard from, uh, actually, my two favorite bands. Well, one of them was uh, Dave Lombardo, the uh, former drummer of uh, Slayer. And he actually played a, a live show with us. He, he's the only drummer that has, uh, that has ever played with Metalachi live and uh, him and it's funny because we don't have any drums in the band and our biggest fans are like you know famous drummers like uh, uh, Vinnie Paul Vinnie Paul we do uh, you know rest in peace and uh, Def Leppard he was there he was actually at the show because we were at the at the cruise at the Monsters of Rock cruise and so he was at the show we did we did see his uh, his art show as well and you know uh, we we heard really good things about him We've also had like some guys from famous bands sit in with us, not just drummers, you know. But we've had uh, 
um, el vato es Eric Wilson from Sublime, the Blaze Brothers. He came in. So who used to play with Ozzy came and played Crazy Train on stage with us, you know. And it was El Vato Dino, you know. Robert Sarzo or Rudy Sarzo? No, Robert, the guitar player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Played in Hurricane, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, the Dino from uh, Fear Factory. Yeah. He, we even have like shout outs by Billy Idol, which is on YouTube if you don't believe us. You know, Dave Navarro give us, you know, likes what we're doing. So there's a lot of people that actually really enjoy what we do, man, and they think it's funny and it's crazy. So I think it's funny, it's crazy, it's fun, but it's also good. You guys do a really authentic, good job at covering these songs. I mean, there, you can hear you can hear the love for for the songs. Thank you, man. Yeah, we, we, like, we like to call it a metal fiesta. Metal fiesta, right on. And where are you guys from? We're from Los Angeles, and I guess uh, you're getting ready to uh, to go on here at Heavy Montreal. Have you been to Montreal before? Well, it's our first time here. Right. And how did you get hooked up with the festival? Do you know? I just, bro. We thought, you know, because there's so many, so many uh, problems with crossing the border to Mexico because of the damn wall. We come on this side of the border where there's no wall. It's easier, you know? Fly over the wall to uh, to, to Canada, right? Just let us in, you know. It doesn't matter. We all there's a lot of people that look like us here too. Right. That's great, and they speak French. Right on, right on. Orale. that's our French word of the day. Orale. Very good. Well, best of luck, guys, and can't wait to see the set. Thank you so much, and bonjour, tabernacle. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.